J.Crew, it's Liel, and it's almost Shabbat. And not just any Shabbat. This Shabbat is Shabbat Hagadol, the great big Shabbat, the last Shabbat before Lil HaSeder, before Passover Eve. And traditionally, at least in Ashkenazi communities, this was a kind of mystical, magical Shabbat dedicated to reading portions of the Haggadah, reading poems, and contemplating all these amazing themes that we read about in the Haggadah, like freedom, liberation, and faith. And so we wanted to send you off into the weekend with a few meditations on Shabbat and a few thoughts about Passover that would help you see this holiday in a somewhat different light because, you know, this is going to be a somewhat different Passover for most of us. And so, to help us understand the true meaning of Passover, here is our dear friend, Rabbi Dr. Stu Halpern. Welcome, Rabbi Dr. Stuart Halpern. Thank you so much for having me. You are the Senior Advisor to the Provost of Yeshiva University and a Senior Program Officer at the Strauss Center for Torah and Western Thought. Correct. About that character who we never read about, but really kind of belongs in the Haggadah, could it be Satan? So if you read the Haggadah, you see that it's protesting too much about Satan not being at the Seder. In a certain part where it's quoting biblical verses about God passing over the houses of the Jews in Egypt, it says as follows, I will pass through the land of Egypt. This is a biblical verse. The Haggadah then adds and explains what God means to say. I will pass through the land of Egypt. I am not an angel. And I will smite every firstborn in the land of Egypt, says the Haggadah, quoting a biblical verse. And then it adds, I am not a seraph, some sort of angelic figure. And then it continues quoting another verse. And I will carry out judgments against all the gods of Egypt. I am not a messenger, adds the Haggadah. I, the Lord, it quotes in a final biblical verse. It is I and none other, adds the Haggadah. It is protesting too much about Satan, the Satan, not being at the Seder. Yeah, at some point you just want to say, okay, we get it. It was God himself. It wasn't some kind of uh, evil-doing messenger that we have read about uh, from time to time. So tell us, how is it that you came across this idea, which I understand has pretty you know, strong roots in, in Jewish theological thought? So it all started with a birthday present that I got six years ago on my 30th birthday. My parents asked me, you know, this is a big milestone. What would you like for your birthday? So I asked for a present that was around 6,000 pages long and 2,200 <laughs> years old. <laughs> this present was outside the Bible. It's this collection, this wonderful collection of books, which collects all these books that were left out of the Bible, even though they were written around the time that the Bible was composed. So I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but there used to be this thing called DVDs. And DVDs used to have this thing called bonus deleted scenes. A lot of the books read like that. There are these sort of strange additional tales about biblical characters that we know, or they're kind of like bizarro Superman-style retellings of our beloved action heroes, our beloved biblical heroes, but in new tales or told in oddly strange ways. And there's a particular book that is my personal favorite called The Book of Jubilees. And it was written around 170 BCE, around the time of the Maccabees, a couple of years before, by a sectarian Jew who's not a good Pharisee, not someone who was from the community of rabbinic Jews or pre-rabbinic Jews, but was a Jew who kept a different calendar than the Pharisees and kept some different laws than the Pharisees. And he wrote a retelling 
of the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus purported to be what an angel told Moses on Mount Sinai, and he retold it in strikingly creative ways. And Jubilees, this book, loved origin stories. Jubilees loved the idea that somehow, in some way, there was an origin story for all the Jewish holidays pre their being commanded by God to the Jewish people. In other words, he tried to situate the origins of the Chagim in earlier stories in the biblical text. In the case of Pesach, this is in a particularly surprising way. What he does is he retells a seemingly completely unrelated biblical story, the story of the binding of Isaac, Akedat Yitzchak, in a way that connects it ever so subtly to the story of Passover. Why, you might ask? Well, Jubilees read the book of Exodus, and he said, hmm, here's this story. There's a Passover story. There's the appearance of this sort of demonic figure, the Mashrit, that the Haggadah is so hesitant to mention, protesting so much that it's ignoring explicit biblical verses that mention that God lets this destroyer, this almost satanic-like figure, go and kill the firstborns of Egypt. And there is the almost death, or the saving, of the Jewish children. Instead of the Jewish children dying, they bring as a sacrifice a sheep in lieu of their own lives being lost. And eventually, the Passover sacrifice on the communal level happens, as the author of Jubilees knew, on Mount Moriah. And he said to himself, wait a second, I've seen this story before, the story of angelic or demonic figures, the near death of the beloved children, the death instead of a sheep or a goat and sacrificing on Mount Moriah. And he said, this story is a story of the binding of Isaac. Because after all, in that story too, there is God commanding Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham's hand is stayed by the interference of an angel. Instead of Isaac, the chosen son, being sacrificed, a ram is sacrificed in his stead. And the story takes place on Har HaMoriah. Mount Moriah. Same idea, same sacrifice, same location, same everything, two stories hundreds of years apart. Exactly. But who does he add in this very subtle way when he retells the story of the Akedah? Who's playing the dramatic role in both the story of the death of the firstborn and the story of the Akedah? None other than Satan, the Satan. What do I mean? The author of Jubilees is troubled by God asking Abraham, his faithful servant, to sacrifice his beloved son. Why would he ever do this to him? So knowing other biblical texts, the author of Jubilees said to himself, well, this sounds like the book of Job. In Job, say for Eov, there's also a faithful servant who is tested by God, because in that story, as the biblical text itself tells us, Satan approaches God and says, well, you think he's such a faithful servant, this guy Eov, this guy Job, well, what happens if you take away his whole family? How faithful will he be then, God? And so he rewrites Satan into the story of Abraham. The biblical text tells us in the binding of Isaac, it starts, and it was after these things God tested Abraham. So when Jubilees retells it, he says, when Satan came to tell God, well, you think Abraham is so faithful, what happens if you tell him to sacrifice his son? That's what triggered the story of the binding of Isaac. And how does Jubilees tell you that the story is the origin story of Pesach? He does it in a very subtle way. He has the commandment from God, go sacrifice Yitzchak, Isaac. He has it being told to Abraham on the 12th of the first biblical month. Now, the first biblical month is the month of Nisan. Why the 12th of the month, you might ask? 
Well, because we know Abraham goes on a three-day journey before he goes to sacrifice his son Isaac. And that three days gets you to the 15th of Nisan, which, 2,000-year-old spoiler alert, is the first day of the holiday of Pesach. In other words, what Jubilees is telling you is that the origin story of the Korban Pesach, the sacrificial lamb, is actually the near sacrifice of our forefather, Isaac. And therefore, the angel really doing all these horrible things on God's behalf was our old pal, Mastema, or Satan. Exactly. Oh, wow. Unless you think that this is this wild, bizarro, pre-Midrashic retelling of the Bible before there were rabbis, before there was the Talmud. The Talmudic rabbis seemingly preserve very similar traditions that Jubilees, though a sectarian text, was preserving. The Talmud tells us who was the impetus behind Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. It was none other than the Satan. So Chazal, our beloved traditional rabbis, also had some sense that it was Satan who inspired God to test his faithful servant, Avram. Rabbi Dr. Stuhalpern, thank you so much. Thank you for having me back. And now, to send us off into the weekend, on a cheerful note, here's Professor Jeremy Dauber with The Weekly Joke. My name is Jeremy Dauber, and uh, I'm the author of Jewish Comedy, A Serious History. And uh, I wanted to tell you a joke before Shabbos. Uh, And this joke you know, is about solving problems. And Jews have a lot of different ways of solving problems, and they think about it in certain ways. And in the joke that I want to tell you, which I first heard from my teacher, Ruth Weiss, who has written a wonderful book on Jewish comedy herself, uh, it is about these two Jews in Eastern Europe, uh, and they are riding in a coach, uh, and the road in front of them is blocked by this gigantic boulder, right? And they they get off the coach and they look at it and they contemplate and they think about it. They think about the rock. They think about the coach. They think about all sorts of different things. They get to arguing about it. What's the best way? What's the other way? And while they're arguing, there's this other coach that uh, pulls up next to them. And this coach uh, has two Gentiles in it, right? It has two Russian goyim, two peasants. Uh, And they they get out uh, of the coach and they look at the rock and they go back into the coach and they take a lever and they, they push and they shove and they push it off to the side and, and you know, off they go. And the two Jews are standing there watching the other coach disappear into the distance and, and looking at the road. And they look at each other and they shake their heads and they say, isn't that just like a Gentile? Always with force. You know, and uh, there are all sorts of problems and there are various solutions. And my hope for the Shabbos is that all of us in our own ways have the wisdom to see and find the right solutions to the problems that we have. Uh, Have a great Shabbos and uh, I'll talk to you next week. And so, friends, I hope you all have a very peaceful soulful, restorative Shabbat and Chag Pesach Sameach from all of us to all of you. Shabbat Shalom.